we're starting a brand new series. The week after Easter. You know what the biggest Sunday of the year is for, for churches? It's Easter Sunday. You know what the, the smallest Sunday is for churches? It's the week after Easter. Everybody's on Easter coma. Uh, so guys, you are the, the, proud, the proud people who showed up the week after Easter. You are amazing. Uh, all that to say, we're, we're starting something brand new today. And uh, we're genuinely, all joking aside, are excited that you're here. I know spring break uh, <laughs> is happening as well. Uh, so, uh, guys, it's just a pleasure to be here. So, you can see this, this lovely, beautiful artifact behind me. Anybody have one of these growing up? Oh, oh, I bought this this week. Because we were starting this series, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one of these and introduce my children to the true and the, whole, the holiness of this thing right here. And here is my original game. I think I was probably six years old. It even has my name. I wrote my name on it so no punk could steal it when they came over to my house to play it. Oh, man, Super Mario Brothers. I was planning to actually play around literally this morning on the screens, but... I just bought it, and I'm having trouble getting it to work, so <laughs> surprise. Oh, yes. You guys remember, I'm going to explain why, I'm, why I have it up here in a second, but part of playing on that original Nintendo was even wondering if the dumb thing was going to work. I mean, you remember that thing? It was great, but, but y you never knew if your game was really going to work well or not. And so, you know, the, the, the dreaded blinking light, you remember that thing? I mean, if I had this plugged in right now and, and it wasn't working right, this thing would start blinking. And so you had one choice, and it was to take the game out, <laughs> blow in it, and then you would put it back in, hit power or reset, and you'd start this thing all over. Sometimes there was dust and dirt in the connection and it just, it just made it not work right. Or if you were like me and you had just spent and cranked out like three hours on that bad boy. It might have been a little bit hot. You know, or the, something is wrong in the connections or something like that. And so what you have to do is just give it a, a fresh start. You got to start over. You got to hit reset. You got to blow some fresh air into that thing. And get all the junk out of the way so that it will function like it's supposed to function. You guys with me this morning? Because we're starting this series called Reset. And obviously, each week, I'm going to make some little joke about some classic game. You saw the, the video we put together with Mega Man and Zelda and Pac-Man and just some of the classics. But all that to say is that a lot of times we're not functioning super well either. There are a lot of times where there's just stuff in our life. Maybe there's some bad connections, some bad relationships. Maybe there's some pains. Maybe there's hurts. Maybe there's just some, some sin. You know, the, the, just things affecting your capacity to function right before a holy God. And what you need to do and what I need to do is the same thing we used to do to this beautiful old machine. And that's, you just got to blow some fresh air in that thing, clean it out, hit reset, and start over. And so this morning, 
the week after Easter, oftentimes people have this amazing moment on Easter Sunday, and then the next week rolls around, and they don't know how to sustain it. They don't know what it actually looks like to live for Jesus and to follow him. So here's what we're going to do. Regardless of what kind of church maybe you grew up in, maybe you're sitting here and this is the first time you've really been to a church. That's some of you. Your second or third time. And so you don't actually have much history here. All you might have is what you've seen on episodes of Law and Order, which make Christians look like weirdos. You know it's true. Some of you like Law and Order up in here, huh? We're going to hit reset on all of it. Whether you grew up in church, whether this is your first time, we're going to, we're going to wipe the, the, clean, the slate clean on what you think you know and even what you do know and just start building from the ground up on a relationship with Jesus and passionately following him. You ready to do that today? Yeah. Let's do it. Father, be with us. God, the rest of this Sunday as we... As we see people and, and participate with people getting baptized today, God giving their lives to you, surrendering their lives to you, God help us, Lord, to passionately follow you all the days of our life. God, and help us to be, to, to be reminded, Father, that sometimes we just got to hit reset and start over fresh. And so, Lord, we ask that you be here with us today, that you minister to us and help us. Amen. Amen. Guys, do this. Turn to Luke chapter 5. It's the third book in the New Testament. Luke 5, 27 through 28. Luke is one of the uh, original 12. And... He's a doctor, and is, his book in the New Testament is filled with facts and information that you'd expect someone that's maybe in the medical world, you know, I don't know what it actually looked like for him to be a doctor at this point in time, a physician of sorts, um, but you see things that are recorded in the book of Luke that have a little bit more detailed information than that of some of the other gospels. And we're going to take just a tiny snapshot today at the calling of, of one of the other men in the Bible. His name is Matthew. You guys ready? Yes. Let's do this. It says that after this, Jesus has been speaking. He's been preaching a little bit. It says he went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. It's just two verses. Two simple sentences. Jesus is walking basically through town. He'd be walking through the, the gates of the city. And he sees my man Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. And he says to him, follow me. Real crazy, isn't it? 
follow me. And Levi says, okay. He gets up, leaves everything behind, and follows Jesus. Now, when you're reading this, I'm going to assume maybe that you have read some of the Bible. Maybe you have it, but I'm going to give you some context here of some things that you just might not understand or know. First of all, in the same way that most of you would look at somebody that works for the IRS and you would just think, you, stealing my money, you know, or, 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 that, or, or that occupation that just has great disdain associated with it. People of bad rapport, of bad repute would, would work in that particular field. A tax collector was bad news. And I don't mean that they were tough and had big muscles and would whoop you like they're a bouncer at a club kind of a thing. No, it, it, it means that the people that they hung out with and the very deeds of their job were, were, were considered to be a little bit shady. No one liked tax collectors. It's a sad day for Levi because I can tell you right now that he's a Jew and he wouldn't have had a whole, whole lot of Jewish friends. Certainly not a whole lot that have great uh, reputation. And so here he is collecting taxes at the booth that he's got set outside the gate. And here's, here's how it would work. He would have an agreement with the city of, or with the Roman Empire, which if you know anything about history, the Roman Empire and uh, the, the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people did not get along. Rome was considered the enemy. And here is one of their own now shaking hands with the bad guy. And he's working on their part to collect taxes from their fellow Jews. And so what he would do is he would pay all of the taxes for that given year up front. And then as people were coming through the city to sell their goods, to buy goods, to do merchant fare and trading and selling, he would charge taxes to compensate for what he already paid to Rome, but then to put a little bit of extra bread in his pocket, he'd hike that thing up even further. So imagine if you rent an apartment or if you've ever rented an apartment or a house and you know, you've got rent that's due each month. Well, imagine, imagine you know, the, the, the person pays all of that for you up front but doesn't tell you how much it is, and then just decides to charge you whatever the heck they want to pay for what they already paid and put a little extra in your pocket, you would have great friction with them because you would feel like, rightfully so, that you're getting stiffed. And so what we see with tax collectors in general is that there was a tremendous amount of corruption in this, uh, in this business, in this industry. And so nobody liked my man, Levi, also known as Matthew, because he's doing scummy work. But there's something else that's really interesting to note. 
And it's actually my man's name. His name is Matthew. Um, he goes on and writes the book of Matthew, all right? The first book of the New Testament. But the name that he's, his proper name, the name his parents gave him is that of Levi. Now, you may not, it may not mean anything to you, but in the Old Testament, and, and what would have made a great amount of sense to, to, to those who were Jew is that you had 12 tribes of Israel and one of those tribes was the tribe of Levi. And if you belonged to that tribe, you would be called a Levite. And the only reason you would be named Levi is if you belonged to that tribe in the first place. And that tribe had a really interesting function. They didn't do what any of the other 12 tribes did. Their job was to be priests. Their job was to set up the temple to help people offer their sacrifices, to put blood upon the altar, to help them have relationship with God, to have their sins forgiven. And the, the boundaries that God puts in place around this tribe are like no other. Because he treats his people having relationship with him very seriously. Yet we have something really interesting happening. We've got a man born who's a part of the tribe of Levi, and yet the very opposite of what he could be doing. He could be helping in the temple. He probably had a call to ministry upon his life. He was to be doing great and noble things, helping people have relationship with God, and yet he's run the opposite direction, and he's sitting out in front of the city gates, robbing people as they walk through into town. That's my man, Matthew. That's my man, Levi. And Jesus finds him doing his thing. He walks up to him and he says two words. Follow me. And Levi gets up, leaves everything and begins to follow Jesus. That speaks to me on a lot of different levels. But let me help you out this morning. Here's your big idea. No matter where you've been or what you've done, Jesus offers a chance for you to start over. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what has defined you. Jesus is in the business of offering you second chances and third chances and fourth chances and an infinite amount of chances. It doesn't matter how much of a train wreck your life has been up to this point. It does not matter how many, how many times you've done drugs, how many times you've swindled, how many times you've been in dumb relationships or made bad decisions. And all of us, let's get all on the same page this morning, are guilty of doing some really dumb things. And all of us are guilty 
of having God call us here and walk the opposite direction and sit in our little tax booth doing our own thing, our own way, thinking that we can make a better life for ourselves. And it never works. It never works. I had to learn this the hard way. Many of you have learned it the hard way. Some of you are learning it right now. And the invitation that Jesus gave me is the same invitation he is giving you. And it's the same invitation that he gave Levi. Follow me. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what's defined you. It doesn't matter what actions you've taken. I'm giving you the chance to start over right now. Get up, leave everything, and follow me. It's so simple, isn't it? And it's so simple to understand and yet so hard sometimes to actually do. We make it hard. We love the things that we love, don't we? There is, there is a part of every single one of us. We want to live like a sinner but feel like a saint. Meaning we, we, don't want, we want to experience the love of our sin, the pleasure of our sin, and yet feel good about it. And we never do. They can't be reconciled. And Jesus is offering you an invitation to get up and follow him. Let's keep going. Because we're talking about resetting. Anybody here have a smartphone? I know it's kind of the, it's almost a dumb question these days, but so, sometimes I wish I didn't. Anybody feel that way too? You ever just wish like you had that brick phone again, you know, that just did one thing and that's call people? Um, there are so many things happening on my phone at one time. It's overwhelming. In fact, my own phone finds it overwhelming. And if you've ever had your own phone just need a reset, anybody had to do that before? Of course you have. You're, you've got 5,000 apps open, and they're all running at the same time. You got Facebook doing its thing. You're uploading this. You're downloading this. You got a song that's streaming. You've got more things happening. You're speak texting. You got directions happening in your car at the same time. It's overwhelming. Your phone can do a lot of things. But sometimes it, it just, it's got too much happening. And what do you do? You have to do what we call a soft reset, or in some cases, a hard reset. Now, I know some of you who aren't Apple nerds like me don't even know what that means. But there's a special combination of pushing buttons on your phone that will reset the whole thing. And it's amazing what happens when your, your phone locks up and you just have the little Apple logo and it won't do anything. It just will do nothing. Or you have the black screen of death. <laughs> and it just won't do anything. And yet, when you hit reset, everything powers down. It's like your phone just, <gasps> finally. No one's touching my screen. No one's pushing buttons. I can just catch my breath and start over. And it's amazing how you, you've done nothing but reset it. And it just, that, that sound starts. 
you know, the, the, I don't even know, I can't even, I can't even make it. I'm not going to embarrass myself. But it, 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 the sound starts and the phone just, it's just right again. It's like a miracle. It's magic. Sometimes that's what we need. You need to take a deep breath, shut it all down. Just shut it down for a minute. Let's start over. Jesus says it like this in Mark 4. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where this word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And then there's this one right here. The doozy that I think many Americans struggle with. Still others like seed among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Let's make this real easy and real simple today. Because for many of us, God has invited us to follow him. That seed has been planted in your heart. But what happens is the worries of this life just begin knocking on the door of your heart. The deception of money begins to knock on the door of your heart, doesn't it? If I just had more money, Things would be a lot better. Now, can money help some things? Yes, you better believe it. But it is not the savior of your life. It is not. And the amount of people that are chasing what we call the American dream, thinking that somehow this is tied to scripture when it's not. Jesus does have a dream for you that you would follow him. But understand that sometimes we have traded our pursuit of money and we think that that is godly. Having money can be godly, but the pursuit of it oftentimes consumes your mind. It consumes your heart. It consumes everything. I was a finance, economics, double major. I had a job with Solomon Smith Barney. I was great at investments, the top of my class. I know what it's like. To see the dollar signs go up and think, oh yeah. And there's something crazy that happens. The more money you have, you don't find that appetite going away. You think to yourself, oh, if I just had more, then. Nope, it doesn't work that way. You will always find yourself in a perpetual state of, if I just had more. Jesus has to become your more. He must. He must become the more in your life. 
There's deception that comes along with it. And what it does is, like this Nintendo, it, it, it keeps the connections from working properly. And the light is blinking, and you're wondering why this thing isn't functioning properly. It's because we're not taking care of the life God has given us. We're not leaving behind everything to follow him. With me? Sure? Yeah, feeling that today, aren't you? Yes. Some of you, it's worry. I'll be honest with you. If I'm going to struggle with something, it's anxiety. I can lay awake at night, head on my pillow, and just be thinking about life and what needs to happen and all the phone calls I need to make and the things I need to do for the church and things I need to do for my kids and my wife and my house, and it's never ending. And I can just sit there and think to myself, and I begin to worry. For some of you, it's other things. The desire for other things, the Bible says, it comes in and it robs that seed, and it prevents you from truly following Jesus because it prevents you from truly trusting him. but I got great news for you. No matter where you've been or what you've done or where you currently are or what you're currently worrying about or what you're anxious about or what you've jacked up with money or what you've given your life to in regards to money or other things that you've been chasing, God has a fresh start for you. We call this discipleship in our church, the, the, the act of following God. And our staff went away for a couple of days, a couple of months ago to work on this, to make sure we understood what we were trying to see happen in our church. God, what do you have for us? And here is what we believe a disciple is, someone who is following God. Our definition at high point is this, someone who believes what Jesus says, imitates his character, and obeys his commands. Great. Now, it's simple. But it can be hard sometimes. I got out my old Super Nintendo. Not this one, the Step Up. <laughs> I introduced it to Graham yesterday. And you would have thought, I ju you'd have thought Jesus just came from the heavens <laughs> into our, our, our room. I introduced him to some of my favorite games. <laughs> He's seven. You know, we're playing together, and I'm trying to, hey, just do what I'm doing. It's easy. It's easy. Come on. Just do this. Push these buttons. Push this combination. And slowly but surely, he's getting it, right? But I want you to grasp this as I begin to wrap things this morning as we head outside for baptisms. But you have to catch this because sometimes in our religious mindset, we think we have to get everything right. And that is not what Jesus asked of Levi. He did not ask that of him. He asked him to do two things. Really one thing, follow me. And Levi got up of his own accord, left everything of his own accord, and began to follow him. But I have news for you. As Levi is beginning to follow Jesus, I guarantee he still makes missteps. I guarantee he still has a wobble. 
I guarantee he still at times is jacking it up. There's no, there's no expectation this morning that new life in Jesus means that you are perfect. It simply means that you are now following the pursuit. Jesus is heading that way, and so am I, baby. I'm walking this direction, not this direction anymore. Or, in some of our scenarios, just sitting. Sometimes I think in the Atlanta region, that's more of an issue than the latter. We have so many people who call themselves followers of Jesus who are just kicking in at their little tax booth. They're not going anywhere. They're not walking anywhere, moving anywhere. And the invitation is to get up, leave it all behind, and follow him. And you will experience the life that you can only find in Jesus Christ. Many of us, we want to follow and kind of have a little something, something still. I used to do that. I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to, compl- I'm going to have a completely wrecked life in my fraternity while I'm in college. I'm going to keep living my frat life, but I'm still going to be a Jesus follower at the same time. What? That doesn't work. It didn't work. I was so discouraged, defeated, Wondering why the light's blinking. Why am I not experiencing the fullness of this life in Jesus? Because I hadn't left anything behind. I was trying to do both at the same time. And to follow Jesus inherently means that you can't be following anything else. Ephesians 4 says that in verse 20, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Don't you love that? Put off the old and walk in the new. Let your mind be renewed today. Let, 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 let new life come into your body, into your, into your very soul. It sounds like a reset, doesn't it? And that invitation to you is is a daily one. When your eyes open and you're getting out of your bed, you have a reminder from the Holy Spirit to leave the old life behind and to walk in the freshness and the newness of the Holy Spirit. To let your thoughts be new. To let your attitudes be new. To let your love for your spouse be new. To let your love for your church and your neighbor and your children be new. To let your love and passion for life be, be alive and fresh. 
to let your desire for God to use you and to do something through you, whether you are 95 or whether you are five today, God can do something great with you and through you, but you've got to leave the old behind. Get up and follow him. Oh, and you'll taste that new life that only Jesus can give. He'll make you new. And an amazing thing happens, which we're going to get into next week, is that the things that used to give you life over here, they just don't seem to satisfy you the same way that they used to. See, as you follow him, he begins to change you from the inside out. It's like if you've ever sugar detoxed and then you tried to go back and drink a Coke and you're like, whoa, that's gross. There's too much sugar in that. But you just get used to it over here. But when Jesus begins to renew your mind and your thought, he changes you and he makes you new. It is both a one-time moment and a gradual process where he continues to make you brand new. We have some people that have made this decision to follow Jesus, some for the very first time ever. And in just a moment, they're going to go out and actually get baptized. We're going to celebrate with them. Here's what scripture says. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, your game, it's it's not over. It doesn't matter that your light is blinking. It doesn't matter that the game isn't working properly. Jesus gives you a fresh start. Jesus gives you a a reset opportunity, a moment to start again, and that begins for some of you right now. You're going to witness a decision in just a few minutes. In fact, if that's you that's getting baptized, you can go ahead and be excused and go ahead and change because we're going to meet you out front in just a moment. And I want you to hear me, church, Just because we've got three people getting baptized right now doesn't mean that you can't make the decision right now to do the same. We may not have clothes for you, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure we could come up with something. Some of you are sitting here and you need a fresh start. And so we're gonna pray. We're gonna give you the opportunity to respond. And Jesus' invitation is the same to you as it is to me. And it's simply this. Take a deep breath. Let's start this thing over. It doesn't matter that you've blown it. With me, you get a fresh start. Follow me. Follow me.